They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had, an, had authority and not as the scribes. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. It probably seems surprising to us that they are, well, surprised at Jesus, that he has such authority, because this is precisely what God had promised long ago at Horeb uh, by way of Moses. Remember, when Moses came down from the mountain, they were terrified at the words that he spoke, and partly maybe because his face was glowing, that's terrifying in and of itself, but that's, of course, a sign that he had been talking with God and that God had given him what, well, that word called the law. And the law, well, it was a terrifying thing. They didn't like hearing the strict commands of God. These commands were given to keep them separate or holy, apart from the nations that surrounded them. The laws were quite strict. Of course, you know the brief summary, the Ten Commandments, or even the briefer summary, you shall love the Lord your God entirely, with your whole being, soul, body, soul, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the summary of what Moses spoke, but of course, it's that absolute demand of the law that is so terrifying. That God had given prescriptions for how they uh, would live their week, how they would live in their home, how they would live in church, how they would live in civil society, how they would relate to the neighbor, how they would handle a sojourner who comes into their territory, and the like. It was strict, it was extensive, um, and ultimately it was impossible for them to live apart from the nations around them. We know this because the whole history of God's people, both before the giving of the law, and then especially after the giving of the law, is in rebellion to God's holy word. So no matter how explicit Moses was and how demanding and extensive the laws were, it didn't make the people and keep the people holy. This is, as we sang on Sunday, was the false and misleading dream of the law, that it could somehow bring us into God's good graces and save us. But as St. Paul says under the authority of, of Jesus, the law was, was given... Um, as a tutor or as a disciplinarian until Christ would come. Christ, the one whom God actually promised then by way of Moses, that promise of a prophet like Moses, uh, but actually not like Moses in many ways, who would come and would speak a word that they would actually delight in hearing. Not like Moses, whom they were afraid of, but rather the one who would come like Moses, speaking on behalf of God, but actually, as we know, actually is God in human flesh, who would come amongst their brothers, also true man, would actually have the very word of God in himself, in his mouth. He would speak only what was given to him by the Father to speak. He is actually the word made flesh. And they would delight to hear him. That was the promise made um, by way of Moses. Not like Moses, the disciplinarian, the, if you want to be very gentle, the tutor, right? But maybe think of the tutor with the, um, in the old days, I still had this, with the yardstick or the ruler. <laughs> Wraps your knuckles when you go away from the command, apart from the word. This was good, though, what Moses was given to do, to keep God's people separate. 
Of course, the people needed to be kept separate and preserved, at least a remnant of them, for the sake of the promise. This is sometimes translated as covenant, uh, which is fine. The word can mean covenant. Luther rightly recognized that when he translated the New Testament, that that's the better word, testament, rather than covenant. Because a testament is ratified upon the death of the, it's a technical word, the testator, right? So you probably, maybe, have a last will and testament, which specifies what will happen with everything that is yours upon your death. Well, ultimately, the promise of God made to Adam and Eve, made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, this promise made by way of of, uh, Moses, that promise is fulfilled in Jesus, especially fulfilled in Jesus upon his death. So at his death, he ratifies that promise that was made by God in days long ago of a different word, a word not like Moses, but actually a word that would not bind consciences, but set consciences free. You've heard me speak of this frequently, and it is a distinction that the scriptures give us to speak of, but that distinction between the law and the gospel. The gospel is the good news that actually sets consciences free. All right? And under the gospel, the word from Christ, it has a different character than that word from Moses. This is the other thing that Jesus was, or, or that Mark was testifying to, and that Jesus was revealing to us in our gospel text, is that the word given to Moses had no power in it. Yes, you could go and take that word that you heard and then claim it as your own and say, I'm going to have no other gods. I'm not going to misuse God's name. I'm going to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, set it apart, listen to God's word um, at least once a week. I'm going to honor my parents and what they taught me. I'm going to protect my neighbor's life and marriage and possessions. I'm not going to destroy my neighbor's reputation. And I'm going to be content with what God has given me. So I'm going to take that word from Moses, make it my own, and now I'm going to do it. Of course, uh, any of you who have examined your life according to the Ten Commandments, as we're given to do, recognize that no matter how much you want to do those commandments, you always find yourself falling short of even your commitment to doing them. And this is what was being revealed to us in our Gospel text when they were astonished at Jesus and his teaching compared to the teaching of the synagogues because or of the scribes, because his had authority. He taught them as one who had authority. So this is the difference between the word from Jesus and the word given by way of Moses. Both God's word, uh, but one quite different than the other. The word that Jesus speaks actually has the power to do what it says. So when Jesus says to you, I forgive you your sins, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. That word, I forgive you your sins, does what it says. That's quite different. Moses, you said, we had to go out and kind of get the word and then commit to it, you know, like we did at New Year's with our resolutions, which it's the end of January, right? So, yeah, you probably didn't keep them, did you? Um, That's the problem with that kind of word, a word of command, is that, yes, we want to do it, even now in faith, faith in Christ, and yet, of ourselves, we have no power to do it. And the word itself doesn't even have the power to fulfill it. But the word that Jesus gives, I forgive you, or I baptize you, or take eat, take drink, or any of the words that he speaks, they actually have the authority of of God because they are the word, the very word of Jesus. And they're a word given to do what they say. So they're of a different sort entirely. 
The, the man with the unclean spirit, and of course the, spirit, the unclean spirits themselves, still operate according to the law. And you see this uh, when they cry out. So they think that this is a battle of words. There's the word of Jesus, and there's their words. And whoever, in a sense, can have the more compelling word or the louder word, or well, this is like my children at home, whoever's the loudest gets what they want. That's what they think. So the unclean spirit cries out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? And then they think they have their magic word, the word that's going to win the argument. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now that's pretty incredible. The demons know Jesus, but of course he made them, even though they've rebelled against them. And they are eternal, so they know their whole story. And yet they think that this is just a battle of words. And then he's going to rebuke them back with words like, no, I, yes, you know who I am, but I can do great things. I can terrify you or something like that. But you'll notice what he says. Simple words, but words that have authority. Be silent. So it's not given you to speak anymore. That word of law, the word of power and awesome, terrifying majesty on Mount Sinai, that's silent. Be silent. Come out of him. And immediately, of course, the unclean spirit comes out. Immediately. So you see that that word that Jesus has, that powerful word of authority to cast out unclean spirits, does what it says immediately. It's not just because he's God, but because he's God's word. He's the eternal word of God in human flesh. And it convulses and even tries to cry out one more time with a loud voice. We don't even hear what they say. But it does come out. And that's why those who witnessed this at this synagogue in Capernaum says, what is this? <laughs> this is a new word. This is a new covenant. This is the new covenant that is in Christ Jesus. A teaching with authority. Not just a teaching that makes demands, but a teaching that actually does what it says and gives what it demands. Even the unclean spirits hear it and obey it, obey him. This is significant for us because as we were saying, God does want you to be his holy people. Not only did he set apart the people of Israel in days of old uh, for the sake of the promise that the Christ would come of the people that, to whom God had promised him, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, etc. But then once Christ has come, that desire to have a holy people, a people set apart from the world, living in the world but not of the world, who have been, well, holified or sanctified is the word we use, that he still wants that, and he accomplishes it. But he doesn't accomplish it by just commanding you to be holy, telling you what holiness looks like, although that's true. But his word actually makes you holy so that it is received by you as a gift, not as something you have to go out and try to find and take for yourself and bring unto your own um, experience, but rather a word that he proclaims to you and gives to you. Just like he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, and then, of course, what spirit takes up residence in the man? God the Holy Spirit, Christ's spirit, because now he will believe rather than deny Christ. So also when Jesus says, I forgive you, yes, your sins are forgiven, but that word also then is the authority, having sins forgiven, well, that means you're holy now. You've been set apart by God, you've been cleansed of your sins in Christ's blood. You've been made his people in your baptism. The word that said, well, I baptize you in my name, meaning now you're mine. <laughs> it did what it said. He set you apart. He pulled you out. 
and made you his own people. And the word that you'll hear this evening in the sacrament, take eat, this is my body. Of course, it does what it says. It is his body because he says it is. But he also says given for you. Right? It's, a, it's a body and blood that has been given and shed for you for your forgiveness, a promise for you. Doing what it says, actually making you the communion of his holy people, his saints. It's all wrapped up in the word from Jesus, and it is different than the word of Moses. That's the old covenant. The new covenant is the covenant in Jesus. And it is a word that is good because it sets consciences free in the forgiveness of sins. May God continue to give you to live in that forgiveness of sins today and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.